The Zone Coverage Podcast Network. This podcast is presented in front of a live Astadio audience. Hey, hey, it's Midwest Swing, part of the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. You can find Midwest Swing on Twitter at Midwest Swing Pod and Zone Coverage at Zone Coverage MN. I'm your host, Brandon Warren. You can find me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Warren. Across the room from me is the producer, Justin Bailey, at I am Justin Bailey on Twitter. And across the table from me, in the flesh, not underwater, on his way to the park, in an Uber. In <laughs> fact, back from Boston for a grand total of about 120 minutes is Tom Schreier at T Schreier 3 on Twitter. Yep. Up. Just just got back. We we got some explaining to do since uh Mr. Bailey. Did did uh, the Lord's work? You, the look you gave me—you thought I was going to insult you, and uh, you never insult Justin Bailey. But uh, well, well, we do all the time. But yeah, um, yeah. the yeah. So we typically, as always, did not like plan ahead or anything. And <laughs> I was like, you know what? Let's just try to do this with me trying to get, you know, to Fenway Park. And for those that don't know, you literally we just fly in that day literally bring your bags to the park and then figure out your hotel situation at like one in the morning where they assume you're just intoxicated <laughs> you know, it's not, not great but um but yeah i think the uh it, it seemed great in theory apparently mr bailey was telling me it was pretty rough audio quality the most unfortunate thing other than that uh you go under a lot of tunnels well uh, i think that's why you sound like you're underwater it did, although when I saw it, Mr. Rocco Baldelli, which I guess this didn't make the show. Well, because we couldn't hear you. Yeah. But then I, I, you said, he's from near there. I was like, hey, he's talking about Rocco. Yeah, so he that was out in the open. It was over by Fenway. For those that haven't been, it is it lives up to the hype. It's like it's kind of like Wrigley, but it's cleaner. Like it, mm-hmm. it almost seems like you're in a – Bailey knows what I'm talking about. See, you know, like Miller Park, nice and clean. Wrigley Field, it's like – you could power wash it. I know it's old, but um, and you can't find the clubhouse at Wrigley. Yeah, I've never been, so I've never covered a game there. It's only, down literally. Uh, it's so you know, like the old Metrodome. You would walk the concourse, and then you'd go through a tunnel to get out to like the upper deck. Yeah, like that's where the clubhouse is. It's just a random tunnel on like one thirteen. Then you take a right. There's just a door there, and then you have to go down a hall, shimmy up like a catwalk, and then walk across. And that's where the clubhouse is. And the clubhouse. For the visitors, I have shoeboxes bigger than it. And so literally, like, we yeah. were on top of the players. And I guess, like, I think Logan Morrison got pissed at me because I heard something he said that was funny and I tweeted it. And then the twins were like, you know, if you guys don't have something to do, you should probably just hang outside the clubhouse. And so I'm pretty sure what happened was that I got in hot water. But they never yeah, it's, singled me out. It's um similar similar in Fenway. Like, for, for those who have just been there, and a lot of people – Obviously, we were out there watching the watching the Twins. Um, Boston itself is very clean, but Fenway is. You almost feel like you're on like a movie set. You're like, where's the real one? You mm-hmm. know, like where's the one that's actually old? Yeah. Um, but it's it's, well, it's very well kept. Yeah, but it's um, it's out in the open. You could see where the if you kind of knew where the clubhouses were, and it, as you go in the entrance, it's just kind of down the hall and to the right, and it's a little less like hidden, I guess, than Wrigley, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of right there, and I don't know how they filter people and keep them from, like, sneaking in. But once you get in there, it's the same thing. It's pretty cramped. You can tell. If you see those old pictures of reporters talking to a ball player, right, and it mm-hmm. looks like a high school locker room, 
that's kind of what it looks like. And I, the, the history of it is, is super cool and shouldn't go on said, but it was funny. And, and again, this got missed, but because I got distracted, I, I was looking, I'm like, man, that looks like a, like a huge twins fan who's going on a jog. Like, what the hell is this? And I, I look and I'm like, dude, that's, it's Rocco. Did he have twin stuff on? He had, he was wearing kind of what he'd wear. If you ever watch like the Fox Sports North interviews, um, or like for us when we're in the pregame. Yeah. He wears like the tights or whatever. And I mean, he had his shorts on and then just kind of like the long sleeve uh, yeah. kind of thicker thing. But I mean, his, his full twin stuff. He obviously, I think people know, grew up in Rhode Island, uh, grew up a Red Sox fan, played yeah, there yeah, for a year. Too, not too far from there. They, they celebrated him. And I kind of joked about it and it, the lead to my final story, kind of recapping the weekend. I mean, you heard authentic East coast accents because it was people from maybe not Nantucket, but mm-hmm. it rammed, sort of rhymed with Pawtucket. So that's why I used it. But you know, there was Pawtucket, all these kind of smaller communities, uh, Worcester, I'm sure people came out from, and he was really celebrated the year he was there, even though it was obvious he had his medical condition. Yeah. I was going to say he was a, he was a member of the Red Sox for like a half hour. Like it was not long it was 62 at all. games. I know I remember it because they showed that stat over and over yeah. and over again. And it seemed like played fine, but not great. Um, it's funny that he's, he's associated with the Red Sox by nature of growing up in that area, a diehard baseball fan, diehard Red Sox fan. Mm-hmm. He's, I think we thought of him as a Tampa Bay Ray because that's who drafted him where he spent most of his time. He actually went back to Tampa and tried to play again mm-hmm. and then retired. I think he was part that was probably the year they were part of the world series run against the Phillies. I think that was 10. It was maybe his last year. 10 was but, the year he went back to the race. Yeah. Um, and then was part of the organization forever. But yeah, I think, you know, for people who are just out there, they'll know what I'm talking about. It, it's kind of a must for baseball fans. It's um, it's kind of funny. I was talking to one of the other reporters there, and it does feel like you're in like a big college town because it doesn't have the big like skyscrapers or whatever of Chicago. It's kind of, you know, Boston University, MIT, Harvard, mm-hmm. all, all in that area. And then it just kind of fits perfectly in the city. Weirdly, almost kind of like Target Field where you look out to the right and you see the downtown and then there's apartments and condos and stuff to the left. But um, yeah, you just, you're like, they did it perfectly right. It is in the perfect spot or at least a perfect spot for a baseball field. Um, and then, yeah, the twins experienced all this, the monster, the weird fall pole where Mookie bets took, um, Perez deep. Yeah. The pesky pole. Yeah. And it looks like he shanked a golf shot no. <laughs> and it turns into a home run. So, um, I don't know. And I think, I guess what I'm getting to with all this is Rocco knows this is a big deal for him and for the team. And I think what we learned is Brios is still figuring things out. Six earned runs, the game they lost. They did almost bull- blow the bullpen game, but it also was a bullpen game. I think we can get to Trevor May there a little bit. But they did cap this off with a huge win. I mean, what was your reaction just watching it on TV, seeing the throw, the ball come off the monster, all that stuff? Devers, well, by the way, coming in, trying to score. So... When I watch it at home, I'm watching on PlayStation View. So I'm like 20 seconds behind. So, you know, there's, yeah, yeah, al- yeah. there's already automatically like the 12-second delay or whatever. So I'm usually a half minute behind. So a lot of times what I'll do is I'll look at Twitter and then see it happen. So the first thing I saw was Dan Hayes' tweet saying, don't run on Eddie Rosario. And I assumed yeah. that meant the last out was either at second base, third base, or home. And then watched the play, and it was just like, whoa. Like, so... What was it like in person? I mean, was I, it? It was weird. It was 
you know JD Martinez. So JD Martinez is up. Yep. And through various events. That was the first, that was his only hit of the whole series. Which is funny. Yeah. I didn't think about that, but it was, it was like one bet 13, I think. Bets obviously took um, Brios. Brios deep twice and he looked good throughout the thing. But I, you know, but you know, he's a professional hitter and is that's not going to be too big of a well, spot. He's an MVP for him. candidate year in and year out. Um, or, uh, you're talking about Martinez or Betts? M- Martinez. Martinez but is Betts. like the best DH in baseball. Yeah. He, and he's facing Rogers. Rogers had come in, obviously, for Romo had started that inning, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. And um, he got, from the sound off the bat and how far it traveled, I was like, that's going to be tough. And I actually thought Crone was going to pick the ball. You know, he was the cutoff guy in front of home plate. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it looked like that on TV. It from So I was way in the back of the press box. And you have the nosebleeds of the press. Basically, we were joking about it that, you know, Dan was going to have to set up like a carrier pigeon to tell me what to transcribe at the end of the game. But um, I yeah. So you have a direct angle down at home plate and you don't have a great look in the outfield. It is the best way to kind of uh, the best scene I've seen in that press box would be Moneyball, where they try to make the pitch to Billy Bean. Do you remember this in the movie? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that if you remember the big green like. I don't know the rails or whatever that hold like mm-hmm. hold the glass in that was obstructing my view a little bit. So maybe I didn't see it perfectly, but sound of it and the way it carried, I thought, man, that's probably enough to tie the game. And did you think there was any chance it was going to go out and win the game? I didn't, but that was because it was going to left, I guess. But, um, may, maybe off the bat, but it became clear as mm-hmm. you know, our trajectory and, and everything. And, I, but I thought Crone was going to pick it up, and I was like, oh, this is going to be a weird locker room if he picks that up and there was a potential play there. Um, I, yeah, and, and it's just funny when it happens on the road because when it happens at Target Field, you feel the rush of all these fans like going nuts and the whole place going bonkers. And this was like dejection. It just was so quiet, and then you hear like scatterings of – because there was a lot of Twins fans there. None of the games sold out. This is like a running theme by one of their – radio guys that they always make fun of the it's a game in August, but like when the twins are in town during the week in August, whatever mm-hmm. that there's just no interest because it's a Midwest team against powerful. So there's, strange. there's a lot of that kind of coastal elite stuff, but like I, it didn't set now 35. I mean, it, it was relatively packed, but you could tell a lot of seats were occupied by twins fans. Having said that their fans are so loud and so engaged throughout the game that it's almost like, it's kind of eerie when like you don't hear anything in a big moment like that. Mm-hmm. And you just see the twins players like pumping their fists and dabbing. Yeah. yeah. Funny enough. Um, there was a replay in the clubhouse after the game and we're kind of sitting there while they're celebrating, waiting for all the players to come in and get ready to do interviews. And Rosario points at Rogers, who's backing up Castro behind the plate. And he goes, where's the fish pump, man? And Rogers like, it's coming, it's coming. And it's just this little, and it's very Taylor Rogers, who is very just even subdued. And you've seen this even, I think we've said this on the show. He is like that. Like, even when you're just talking to him as a person, sometimes I don't know if he, even what I'm saying is registering. And to be fair, I think we made this joke. He may just be ignoring me, but like, you know, even in that moment, Taylor Rogers is Taylor Rogers. He gives a little fist pump and then he's like, yeah, we won. That's cool. And you know, everyone, you know, Sano's jumping up and down and yeah, he's definitely not Casey Fien or yeah, Casey Tyler Fien, Duffy. Yeah. Casey Fien was Tyler very Duffy's emotional muted a little bit, but yeah, Tyler Duffy, by the way, um, I was kind of going through the bullpen. The, the first game was the hardest to cover because it was a bullpen game. And I really, again, I was in the Uber, which you guys could barely hear me. I could kind of barely hear you guys. And when you said Dobnak, I was like, he's just messing with me. I'm going to just let this pass. Cause I don't, 
I, I was like, they're starting Randy Dobnak for a, yeah. who basically opened for Thorpe, but I was kind of going through all these relievers and I was like, we'll get to May in a second who just seems like he really can't like get past the like seventh inning role. It seems like as he gets into higher leverage or certainly out, out of clean innings as in he starts them, he has some trouble, but, um, Duffy to me really sh- has shown a lot mm-hmm. like it, And we kind of talked about where he stands there. I mean, I think it's stuff wise. There's probably relievers with better stuff, but he knows you had written about the tunneling and it's worth going back and reading that. I piece. think he's a bulldog too, though. Like he's not afraid. Yeah, no, I mean, he, he gets after guys. You see it with Rogers. And we talked about that with Rogers too, that he had only, he gave up. Who did he give up the home run to? It, it was a lefty, I think in the, in the second game or maybe, maybe it was the first as they were coming back, but mm, yeah. And he, he hadn't given one up and, and you'd have to go back to like Cody Bellinger, like early in the season or something. No, 2017, I think. Yeah. Is it 17? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, way, way, way back. Um, the, he used to only face lefties and this is kind of the thing you've talked about. Development isn't linear, but once these guys figure out kind of what stuff works, Ben Intendi, by the way, was the yes. And Again, phenomenal player. Really fun to see him live. Too. Should have been a twin. Should have been a twin. So Tyler J was. We we figured that out, right? Yeah, was drafted, I think it was Jay. Yeah. Uh, before him, um, but uh, kind of the last the college relievers that they thought was gonna just turn over and mm-hmm. be like Finnegan or whatever. But I think we had said that on a previous podcast. But um, yeah, I mean those guys just go out and attack, and you're seeing that. And I think May does for the most part. He's been attacking with a fastball, but. If it was a slider or curveball, to be honest, the pitch was not a great pitch, and it's hard to identify exactly what it was. But you know, Devers took him deep there. Having said that, I still come away being like, I saw enough from Thorpe. I think Thorpe probably just shouldn't have gone out for the fourth inning. Mm-hmm. I think as he got closer to sixty pitches, he's missing his spots. He's you know all this stuff. Um, so I I don't uh, you know. I don't know. Regardless, I came away saying the bullpen was pretty good. St- Brias is still concerned, but this team can win in pressure situations because that felt like a pressure situation, even though Boston Boston won't make the playoffs probably, but they have an offense that could have killed the Twins. It's kind of crazy that they lose the Barrios start, they win the Dobnak slash Thorpe start, and they win the Perez start. And you wouldn't have thought that coming into the series, or if someone would have told you that, you wouldn't have believed them. So yeah. wh- what did you think of Martin Perez? I mean... I thought, you know, I thought he looked good. Dobnak was a smart one where we should say, like, Dobnak opened for Thorpe. That's the way I saw it. And Thorpe could only go 60. And basically. I don't I don't think that they telegraphed that either. I don't know if they, because. I think they just let him go when well, Thorpe, well, Thorpe was dealing for nine outs. When I'm saying Dobnak, I don't think they telegraphed it that he was opening. No. And because when they said he'd get the start, like it wasn't in quotes or anything. Yeah. A lot of times what that can be is the other team will tailor their lineup to that. And then you bring in. The opposite. If you got a righty soft, you know, Which, junk against baller. that lineup, you have to take every advantage yeah. possible. So bringing in a lefty, especially since they have some some capable left-handed hitters, Benintendi, Devers. I know Betts is righty. I'm trying to think of who else they have this lefty. I mean, Mitch Moreland, but he's yeah. hasn't kind of a down year. But I thought that was a, a really, I wouldn't say a stroke of genius, but it was obviously very well done. But yeah, Perez, it he's last start, last time out would have been. Was it a home against the White Sox? Or I'm trying to remember. I know that he wasn't particularly good. Oh, Tigers. Yeah, that's right. They lost 10 to 7. To to bounce and back. And that was one bad inning. Basically. Yeah. yeah. But to bounce back and do what he did against Boston. And then his his previous starts were against, I want to say, 
I think he had a good one in Texas, if I'm not mistaken. And um, anyway, he had like a two-something ERA over his previous few starts before the Tigers got to him. Everyone was kind of out on him, kind of like they were with Pineda to begin the season. And honestly, I think I'm not saying he showed enough to be considered to be in the postseason rotation, but they're also not deciding that right now. And also Kyle Gibson, was he on the trip? Kyle Gibson, I believe so. So, yeah. but but we still don't know much about his condition, both yeah. in terms of the yeah. actual colitis and just where he's at physically as a result of that. Yeah, there's people that are out, out on him, I and I guess I don't blame him. I, we've said this on, on the On Gibson show or Perez? On, on Gibson. Well, both, really. Um, I still I still say, like, knowing what we know now, he he's more of a certainty as a number four or five starter than you're going to get in the free air. But he market, pitched but through this in a contract year. What does that say about him to you? Yeah, no, I mean... Uh, is, he a, is he a warrior? Is he trying to maintain value? Which, knowing Gibson the way we know him, I don't think that's a thing. But I think he is, you know, taking the ball every fifth day with the internal, yeah, you know, awfulness going on in his, yeah. his stomach. I mean, I, I think it gives you a whole other level of respect, even if he hasn't pitched all that well. Yeah, and I just it go it's same thing with Brios to be honest, or when Perez struggles. I don't know what the other option is. I and it's not that I'm like out on Smelter or something like that. I'm just not sure that Smelter I still have no idea what to make of Smelter. Yeah, I'm I'm assuming he'll be a reliever. Like, like, kind of a like is reliever. He, is he Andrew Albers or is he like kind Barry, of a better Caleb Barry, Thielbar? Barry Zito. Like Barry Zito is one of the best left handed pitchers yeah. of his era. And he didn't light up the gun. He was just kind of funky. He had a huge he, curveball. He was also really bad in, in San Oh, yeah, at the end of his career. But, yeah. I mean, the, the lefty prototype is so much different than the righties who throw hard or have a nasty split or whatever. So, for me, though, like, Smeltzer doesn't light up the gun. He locates pretty well. But it's hard for me to see a guy where you're like, yeah, that's a four or five starter for sure. It's like, well, for me, he's maybe a lefty specialist. He's maybe a lefty funk guy that comes out and just kind of messes with people, kind of the left-handed version of Trevor Hildenberger, who I don't think we've seen yet since he's come back. No. And I so, mean, I, he was in the clubhouse. Yeah, I'm but, looking forward to seeing how he looks. Yeah. But Smeltzer, like people ask me, what do you think his future is? And if you if you tell me to project Lewis Thorpe, yeah, okay, I think he could either be a fourth or fifth starter or a really good reliever. You I'm ask pretty me, certain of that. You yeah. ask me about Bruce Dargraderall. He's going to be a number two starter or a closer. If you ask me about Devin Smeltzer, I have no idea. Literally no idea. Yeah, so my point there is the same thing applies. Is it, I've said this before. I think this was an opportunity for Colt Stewart to try to break into the rotation, and it just he's not there yet. And If he's not there yet, he's never going to be there. Yeah, I mean, I think he'll they'll, he'll try a change of scenery. My guess is his agent will say try to figure something out so his guy can go pitch somewhere else. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I I don't think I could be wrong. I don't think he's in Minnesota's immediate plans. They didn't draft him. Right. And and this is something I asked the, the current, like, so people who are listening, the current regime didn't. Draft yeah. Him. Yeah. Sorry. Falvey and Levine yep. and Falvey was there and I talked to him briefly and asked him and he's like, we really try to evaluate and I know they can't do this perfectly, but guys, no matter if you're Dobnak who's playing in Utica, Michigan or, Cole Stewart, who's first round pick, or you know, 19th rounder out of Harvard, like Poppin, or this or that. They really try to see it in a vacuum and say Dominic has enough stuff to at least pitch an inning in Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how they see it. 
Yeah, and I don't know what to make of Dobnak necessarily. He got he was finding that small one inning open. Did you, see, did you see my tweet? Speaking of, or, or now that we're on the show, I there's a there's a Twitter meme, and maybe Bailey's heard of it. Do not do not speak to me or my son ever again. Did you see my tweet about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was Jim Morris, the guy that was on our show that yeah. I asked about his abusive dad, with uh, without any pretext. So that yeah. was a lot of fun, and Bailey. Was ba- Bailey, Bailey didn't love that. He was that extremely question. embarrassed on my behalf, which is good because I don't really have that much self-awareness. But Dobnak <laughs> definitely, like Randy Dobnak is like the name of a stepdad who wears a belt with a cell phone on it and like cowboy boots and jeans with yep. the jeans tucked into the boots. I mean. Which, it, to be honest, he may dress like that. He has the handlebar mustache. Yeah. And, By the way, yeah. the, the Uber story going around about him, as much as people like that, that is not heartwarming. Pay minor leaguers enough so they don't have to drive yeah. Uber in the offseason. Now, we should parse through that a little bit. It's certainly an associated ball because they're literally associated with the major leagues. Yeah, yeah, but this was this, like, he was driving this spring. He had already been in the twin system. Oh, yeah. And he didn't season get a, and a half. A season and a half. Yeah, because I was going to say the league in Utica, Michigan would be like a very small. Oh, I bet they're of- five, six hundred bucks a month, maybe. Yeah, he said it. I've asked him about it. He said it just churns over. It's like there, and he's like, "There's guys who are drafted in the first round, and guys who never drafted D two, D three, D one. You know, I think it's he was a D two for what he's reference. He's the only to, big leaguer to ever come out of that league. Yeah, yeah. Although he said there's been 26 signees. There's they're doing something to get guys. Seven, into seven or eight of them have been twins too. Yeah. Um, and who know? You know, who knows what his future is? Certainly in the moment, he's super funny he has a handlebar mustache and a little quirky goofy Mm -hmm. he also had to cancel his wedding i think this is probably well known at this point but because it was september 28th twins are in kansas city and he's on the major league roster i mean that's how like maybe i should get him a wedding gift when i'm down there yeah i bailey what do you think of that idea sure all right bailey's on board if i get him some red dogs that have been sitting in the fridge for three weeks no what if i get oh there's is there still red dog here oh it's not like it's like in demand. It's not like people are snatching mm. them out of the fridge. Maybe I should get him a, a beard trimmer. <laughs> yeah. I don't no. know that that would be well taken. But my wife would be able to get a really good deal on one. It's true. I don't. We, we were talking about the clubhouse in yeah. Chicago compared to Boston. Did I ever yeah. tell you my story about the clubhouse at Wrigley? No, but yikes. So I get there for the first day. And so I'm staying an hour, like an hour away with traffic, like 30 miles and so I get in there and I cannot find the clubhouse. Like every park I've been to, super easy to find. Like Kansas City, you go to an elevator, you go downstairs, it's right there. Kansas City, for what it's worth, is another really cool old park. I think I oh, said yeah. that when yeah. I visited, but I, it's worth – Twins could, Twins fans could see the last regular season games there this year. I think it's very worth I'm, it. I'm going to have to explore the park a little more this time. Last time I was just so intent on right. getting my work in. But so anyway, I ask some vendors. They're like, oh, sorry, I don't really know. So I ask this gal – who looked like she was part of the cleaning crew. And she's like, oh, you go through this door here, and then you go down an elevator, and the clubhouse is right there. So I go down there, and it's this really nice, fancy, official-looking door, and there's a guy sitting out front. So not unlike, you know, Target Field. And so I'm like, hey, I, you know, I'm trying to get into the clubhouse, and do I have to sign in or something? The guy goes, what are you talking about? And all of a sudden, Randy Rosario, who used to be a twin, comes strolling up. I don't know if he scanned something or what, Oh, the, what the guy did was he showed his badge, the the security guard, let Randy in. The lady sent me to the player's entrance. And so I'm, I'm right out front of the player's entrance watching Cubs players, like, walk into the clubhouse. And the guy's like, nah, man, you got to go back upstairs and find your own way. 
So I was literally late for Clubhouse that day because I didn't know where the heck I was going. Yeah. So these old parks, man, I mean, it's, it's insane. We get spoiled by Target Field. Yeah, I, I agree. And even like a, a place like um, Kansas City, if people just walked in and didn't know when it was built, it feels newer. Fairly modern, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, like I said, even like I said, I was just, I was just very surprised. I think you know, kind of something. I don't know. How did we get out? We were going through relievers, and <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, throwing together a playoff roster. And again, I don't know if oh, yeah, we, did play, we did playoff lineup after we let you go last time, right? And I think the only point of contention was first base. I was trying to figure this out as I was staying on, like standing on Yaki Way with like oh yeah, we, had, different we asked cars. you what yours was. Yeah, it wasn't before we let you go. Uh, right. I'm just, you know, the only point of contention on that is is who would play first base, right? I mean, you're you're saying it would be a healthy Marwin Gonzalez over Crone. Is there any indication Marwin's close to healthy? I didn't play much. It's hard. He's he not, didn't play at all on that trip. Yeah, I mean, he he uh, it, with Kepler, for example, you can see him wearing a giant ice pack. I mean, it, it's pretty obvious. I and the fact that he's he was right instead of center probably is an indicator. Yeah, of how much ground he, he, can cover. he said now. Rocco said that he switched. So, and I think I led a story with this. Cave started a game. Yeah, right? by accident, and, there was a mistake. And, and Kepler, and we were like, why did you do that in the second inning? And switch him out. And he goes, no, I actually wanted Kepler and right, Cave and center. Just miscommunication. Yeah. And I think it's because, again, you could see this um, you know, on TV. It's a weird. It's a weird right field. Oh, the, the configuration of the whole park is weird. Yeah. I mean, it. Like Tory Hunter caught his ankle in center field and like tore it up and missed the rest of like the 2005 season. We were talking about just Bales and me last, last time we had the show. And like, there's a triangle out in center. You've got the monster in left and then right field. It's like a very short fence. Again, Tory Hunter, he has that iconic picture where he goes over the fence Yeah. and there's a security guard with his hands up. And then Tory's legs are straight up because he fell over the fence. Yeah. So lots of Tory Hunter stories for Fenway, but yeah, each of the outfield positions has a unique, challenge at Fenway. Yeah, and so Rosario obviously played left well, the monster ball. Two of three, because Lamont Wade, I was like, whoa, the rookie playing left field. That's he, I think he trusts Lamont Wade for what it's worth. By the way, Lamont Wade, zero big league hits and a 364 on base percentage I tweeted earlier today. Yeah, and that's what he's known for. I mean, if Yeah, but zero big league hits, that's what's hilarious. Well, and I, you know, I, I wrote about Ian Miller. I know we're jumping all over no, the no, place. No, no, I wanted to ask you about um, And just to be clear, he put, just to finish that thought with Kepler, he put Kepler in right field because um, of the dimensions and how weird it played. That's what he was saying. Now, he was removed with some chest pain and that was very precautionary. So I don't know. Kepler's not a hundred percent by any means with Ian Miller, who will be a defensive replacement and basically a pinch runner. It sounds like like their Terrence Gore. Yeah. I think it's an interesting pickup. I, again, a little bit, I got Falvey. I asked Ian Miller prepares really well. He has like stacks of notebooks. Mm -hmm. And again, I wrote about him. You can read, read what I wrote, but, um, and meticulously tracks what all these, pitchers are trying to do to hitters and their tendencies and all this that actually didn't factor in their decision they they knew he was a good person good character or whatever and I, that he was really fast and it, i think it's for a team that doesn't steal many bases i don't know what his role will be but there probably will be times that they want a guy with his speed either as a defensive replacement or on the base paths i kind of asked in my article will he have an at bat i think it'll happen if they clinch a playoff spot mm-hmm if it doesn't, 
I, you know, he was removed for Garver. I mean, he literally went out in the outfield. So it might be a Moonlight Graham situation. And this is what came out. So, and I think this is okay to bring up because it was all on the record. Phil Miller got in late, brought up Moonlight Graham. <laughs> and we were like, so everybody, this is, or, you know, Ian Miller, this is Phil Miller who's asking if your career will be one defensive uh Ouch. A replacement. And it was a joke. Phil's response was great. He goes, well, you know, we're related. We can talk like this, right? Phil Miller, Ian Miller. Uh, yeah, very, de- very, like, I can see I can see Phil's face. Yeah. Really, like, very matter of fact, but also joking. It was very it was very well done. Moonlight Graham, for people that don't know, played for the New York Giants, the baseball team, in, like, 1905. And he played one defensive inning, I think, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, never got the at-bat. So, I, you know, I don't know. I think... I get why they picked up Ian Miller. I'm very curious how they use him. I, to be honest, I don't have a great answer now. That's going to go. I think it's very, very, very situational. He stole 50 bases in 2015, and he stole 46 in his last year of college. So, I mean, there's significant wheels with this guy. So, I mean, he's he's definitely going to be a factor if they use him that way. Yeah. And frankly, it's possible he could play more in the postseason than the regular season. Yeah, I think it's a cool pickup. I think it's uh, thinking ahead a little bit and. As much as Rocco said, you know, this is he he admitted this is a good time to play in Fenway. It's a good test this late in the season, and that there is some talk of the postseason. You know, he kind of gave the coach speak. We're not thinking that far ahead. Martin Perez, perhaps inadvertently, was like, you know, the postseason will be fun, but we got to focus on these games. I mean, in the clubhouse, they believe that you know, they're going to go to the postseason. And to be fair, some of them did from the very beginning. I wanted to say that, and I've been dancing around it. I don't know if I've ever said it on the record here, but I got down to Fort Myers this spring and was just kind of shooting the breeze with Mitch Garver. And I said, you know, I think you guys are going to be way better than people think so. And he just stared at me and goes, well, yeah, for sure. I said, I think you guys are going to the postseason. And he goes, oh, most definitely. Just yeah, very dead serious, like matter of fact. And I wasn't, I wasn't trying to... Glad, you know, Gladhander, you know, kind of say, oh, yeah, you guys are going to the postseason. You guys are going to win 72 games. We, we don't need that, Bailey. God, Bailey. But so, yeah, he just looked me right in the eye and said, oh, yeah, we're, we're definitely going to the postseason. Yeah. And so he, he, he knew. Yeah. And I think he said that, uh, you know, at various points. It's something about the Astros when they had played six games early in the season. They said, oh, yeah, we'll see him again. Implication being in the playoffs. So I, yeah, it was just a funny feeling coming away. Like it, it's positive that they go and, beat the Red Sox in, in Fenway. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, it's like if Brios can't turn this around, you know, he, uh, they're in some trouble. I, Perez was encouraging. I think Pate has been encouraging recently. Um, you know, Jake Odorizzi, potentially a guy who could, you know, mm-hmm. pitch in the postseason. But Brios should be the best pitcher, and he he's the most, the guy you're most worried about right now. So I don't know. They moved the start back from, I thought his velocity looked up, uh, you know, just looking up the board, he was around 93, 94 closer. He is, you know, and then a couple 95 closer is to 92. When he's sitting at 92, he gets hit mm-hmm. 95. He doesn't. And I think to bets, I think those both were bad breaking balls. You probably saw it better on TV than I did. Um, but the, and the double he gave up to Vasquez was a really good pitch. Like sometimes it just, the juiced ball just takes over. I, I got to ask you though, do you, so you're, you're, did you take any enthusiasm or positivity from his start with how well he pitched outside of kind of that, the second bets home run, especially? Yeah. Um, 
Or are you still yeah, kind of in wait and see mode? My story probably comes off as a little too negative. People can read it and assess for themselves. I What I tried to say is I saw things, indicators that it could turn around. I also, I think it sh- should be acknowledged. The Red Sox can turn it on and their mm-hmm. offense can. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that it was a 2-1 game in the third game. You know, it talked about Perez, but I mean the bullpen, it just shows like the, the twins are improving. But I think if you didn't have August, if he had a three or four ERA in August, mm-hmm. you'd have been like, eh, the Red Sox got to one of the pitchers. It felt different than his August starts. Having said that, it didn't feel good enough for me to go, ah, this is a fluke. I mean, it, he's gonna face the Red Sox are a playoff caliber lineup. They're actually weirdly kind of like the twins, you know, playoff caliber lineup and can't figure out their own pitching. And I think, yeah, it's horrible pitching. Um, yeah. And, and, and so I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, the, you'd, I'd have to wait for the next few starts to really tell you much on Brios. Having said that, I guess I don't feel out on him. And to be honest, I don't know who replaces him. He's yeah. Bet, yeah. You, know. you have to keep going as long as he feels good. Yeah. So Byron Buxton has gone from, pinch running to defensive replacement with the idea that he'll probably be a slow burn to getting back into the lineup. Do you get the sense that maybe by the third week of September, second week of September, which I mean, we're getting close to right now, he'll get back out there regularly because here's why I ask a friend of mine who I kind of have as a sounding board on Twitter, like in the DMS, we just kind of throw ideas back and forth said this or asked this. If you weren't sure that Byron Buxton could come back 100% healthy by the end of the season, would you consider bringing up Alex Kirilov at the end of Pensacola's season? Because, and because all three of your outfielders are questionable at this point. Rosario's not 100% healthy. Kepler's not 100% healthy. Buxton is definitely not 100% healthy. After that, your outfielders are Marwin Gonzalez, dealing with the core issue or whatever, the stomach issue. Lamont Wade, again, zero big league hits. Williams Astadio, no. definitely don't want him in the outfield. No. So Jake Cave, Jake who, Cave, who's been pretty good, but... Shouldn't be your best outfielder. He can't play all three positions by himself. Yeah. Would you consider that? Because I think I would. I honestly, I honestly, honest to goodness, as much as it might be not good to, I don't want to say start his clock, but put him on the 40 and put him on their... Way too, you know, way earlier than maybe you anticipated. I think, I think you still have to do everything in your power to give yourself a chance in October. And I think that if he replaces, I suppose in this case it would probably be Nick Gordon. You know, you put Gordon on the sixty just to make it make it work. But I think I would. I really do. So he he homered. In the last two playoff games, right, mm-hmm. for Pensacola. And I think they won the first one and lost the second one. There is some, if you didn't know how young he was, you would say this is a player that in either way is just kind of on the brink, right? Well, I call him Baby Votto. Like, he's got such a polished approach. Yeah, and, and and we've talked about his dad is a hitting coach or something like that, or at least set up. Mr. Something. Dave Kirilov. Yeah. yeah so and, and Great follower if you want to his, follow the minor leagues. Yeah. His, uh, his numbers, like, he doesn't have a big slugging percentage this year in Pensacola, but... In August, he was like 885 OPS. He is definitely the kind of prospect who could skip AAA. And honestly, a lot of teams are skipping AAA because of the juiced baseball because there's no evaluation going on there. I mean, 
CJ Crone's baby brother had an 800 slugging percentage down there this year. 800. Yeah, Kevin Kevin Crone, right? Yeah, I mean, he got to the big leagues and he was he was fine. I, I mean, I think he had a couple homers and kind of bounced back and forth for the Diamondbacks. What, what but, a- but there's just no there's no evaluation. There's no development going on. It's literally like playing arena league football down no, they there. They need to they need to fix the ball. But well, yeah. one of the funniest things with Kevin Crone was in Chicago, Taylor Rogers saw his brother make his major league debut. Tyler Rogers, who's an identical twin and is like a knuckle scraping submariner. He's a uh, knuckle dragger. Yeah, he he's um I can tell them apart, by the way. There was a Reddit thread asking which was which, and I can yeah, tell them apart. That's funny. Is he but very, very close looking. He mm-hmm. so he's even below where like Hildenberger throws. And Jason Castro jokingly goes, Where was all this excitement for Kevin Crone? And I thought it was kind of a funny Way to acknowledge, like, Wait, hey, look. Who said that? Jason Castro? Yeah. That's out of character, too, because, I mean, Jason Castro, he's not exactly Taylor Rogers, personality-wise. Yeah. He's, he's very smart. He's a Stanford guy. But he's extremely, like, matter-of-fact. Yeah. Um, so No, I thought, it, I thought it was great, and it was yeah. all in good fun. Like, it was all kind of Oh, no jest. question. Um, but uh, that's when I registered that, oh, yeah, they're related. But um, what what the hell were we talking about before? Oh, Alex Kirloff. Um He's certainly shown signs that he'd probably move up early next year anyways. I You shouldn't worry about service time. And I, I know that at times, like, to be honest, the Twins, as much as it's bad for the player, we're smart to hold on to Byron Buxton's, you know, not calling him up last mm-hmm. September. But mm-hmm. um, in this case, I think it's foolish. I think you want as many hands on deck as possible. I also don't think he's a guy. It's really hard to know. I'm this is guessing off of reading. But you're not going to use all three of his options to develop him because he's like Buxton and struggles. You send him out, bring him back, send him out, bring him back. And I just think he'd be ready for the major leagues. He doesn't seem. I've only you know we've only interviewed him once or whatever. But everything tells you that he is like taking every step to be here as early as possible. And <laughs> I don't. I don't hate it. What I hate is don't like. Don't put unrealistic expectations. You would kind of treat him like Gratterall, to be honest, who's been used probably pretty well. I mean, in my mind, he hasn't been used in super high leverage situations. Yeah, I feel like they're going to build him up to. Yeah. And with Kirilov, you can't be like, hey, replace Kepler right now. Yeah, go play the green monster in your first big league game. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's um, it's not a far fetched. I would I would do what's best for the player, because to be honest, that's ultimately what's best for the team. So I have a really good Kirilov story, too. It's a very short one. We were at Target Field this year, this this winter for the, I mean, it was almost spring, for Twins Fest. And so we had access to a bunch of minor leaders. I talked to, you know, Brent Rooker and Andrew Vasquez and Trevor Larnick. I mean, all these guys. So we're out in the hallway outside the visiting clubhouse because the visiting clubhouse was like the hangout for all the players. And um, Kirilov, we were talking to him, and he's just a very super – He's, he's mature. He's got a deep voice. He just sounds, he's very dry, very matter of fact. And a very, very well compensated, well known TV sports guy says to him, What kind of pitcher do you want to be? Oh, oh. And Kirilov's like, Uh, well, I'm an outfielder. And he's like, Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. So someone else asked a question. And then it comes back to him and he goes, what kind of hitter do you want to be? And it's like, dude, just sit this one out. I, like, I, what kind of preparation is that? And truthfully, 
I mean, I think if he's going to answer, honestly, it's a, it's probably one of the most professional hitters you're going to see in baseball. I, mean, I, would I say think he's a guy that wants to spray the ball around. He'd use the whole field. Hit. He'd be the kind of guy who would probably hit like <laughs> in a regular season with a regular baseball, like 22 to 25 homers, but maybe 40 doubles. Like he's going to use the whole field. He's 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 he might be shifted at first because just lefty hitters get shifted. Yeah. But I think there's a pretty pretty good chance that he would be the kind of guy where you may have to play him more straight up. But I don't know. It'd be kind of cool to see him come up and play a handful of games in September and I, get himself on their radar for the postseason. Gratterall would tell you they're not afraid of the young players. That he if he performs, he'll be on the playoff roster. Mm-hmm. Gratterall's 20, I believe. Kirilov is 21. I mean, I, I, I don't think they're going to – they sure, certainly shouldn't worry about service time. I, I think I could see them testing the waters with it. I just would hold back your expectation that he'd immediately have a, like, semi-Kepler-esque impact on the team. I mean, I, or whatever. You know, it's just like that's yeah. an impossible player to replace right now. What's going on with Sam Dyson? <laughs> well – Does anyone know? No, I mean, I mean, I, no, I mean, I mean, you know, but it's yeah. at the same time, he's like, my arm's killed for two years. It's like, oh, yeah. Enough. I mean, they, they just, they described it as tendonitis. I think that the team wanted to kind of keep that, um, on the down low and it got out that he had left the hotel and left, you know, it, the funny thing is we talked about the locker room. It's so jammed in there with people that you could just like not notice Sam Dyson's there. I mean, it's, it's nooks and crannies and you know, whatever, uh, just a lot of bodies in one place and it's hard to account for all of them. But you know, I think we, I think tendonitis was a thing that he had before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we saw that he kind of got it corrected and he looked kind of as advertised. People are going to be really critical of the Twins that they traded for an injured player. I'd say, you know, I mean, there's a reason why they didn't give up a ton for him. I think, and when Althee's fine, I, I'm inclined to believe that he'll be just fine. He's just not going to be exactly what they wanted when they traded for him. Mm-hmm. And that's just the reality. The nice thing is they have another year of control. So As, they, assuming they can get it right in the off season. I don't know if, if this is a lingering, it sounds lingering when it's been two years, having said that he's pitched through it. Yeah. Well, he, um, was th- he was hitting 96 last time out with crazy movement. I mean, I thought he looked good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, last time he, he struggled and, and had to come out this last few I mean, his ERA was going to be bad no matter what because of that first outing in Mar- Miami. So you got to just kind of look away from the numbers and just look at how he pitches in individual outings. Yeah, I thought he'd been he'd been really good. Yeah. Did, so so I'm not super worried. I think they will clean this up. If it was another injury other than tendonitis, I'd be a little more concerned. Did you interact with any of the other call-ups? Um, so Gratterall, because I, I wrote a story about him and how Brios is um, how, did, mentoring him. I, I, I'm going to ask this not as – in, it might wrinkle or uh, ruffle some people's feathers, but Gratterall, does he is he in, does he speak English or is he mostly like Spanish with uh, Elvis helping him? Elvis helps him a lot, although it's fine. I mean, he's not totally lost. Because yeah, um, well, because like Fernando Romero is very deliberate, but he he speaks good English. I it's like funny. To- Chris from Cleveland will love this. Fernando Romero, I don't know how I got talked to him about this. Loves basketball and asked his favorite team. He said it used to be the Cleveland Cavaliers. When LeBron was there, but he didn't like that LeBron left the like, first time or the second time? Second time for <laughs> LA. And I thought that, like, he was like, oh, yeah, I was all pumped up when they won the championship or whatever. So, Chris from Cleveland's favorite twin, maybe Fernando Romero. But I mean, again, clearing up English, we can have that conversation and there's nothing lost there. Gradwell's maybe not quite there, but I think he's he's fine. And he, he has, um, 
you can tell he's kind of a, a goofy guy. Like, I don't think a lot bothers him, to be honest. Um, the I'm trying to think of who else. Uh, Ian Miller, again, wrote mm-hmm. about yep, him. Yeah, have a story about him. Um, by the way, it's weird. The Twins now have three Philadelphia-based players because Stashak is from the Philadelphia side of New Jersey. Um, we just talked about the other guy, Lefty. Um, Not Lewis Thorpe. No, no, no. Lewis Thorpe is uh, <laughs> Australia. Uh, I asked him about his kangaroo Skippy the other day. He goes, uh, Skippy's playing in the backyard. He's great. And that again, so I'm, funny. I, I just think, he, no, he's he's awesome. Uh, so Stashak, Miller, and then uh, the guy they got in the trade from with Luke Reilly from LA. And oh, Smelter. Smelter. Smelter is, oh, yeah. again, we were the, just talking the about. The fan. Um, yeah, so they, so three Philadelphia guys. Um, I'm trying to remember who else they, they you know, Hildenberger, which I know is not well, it, new, but most of these guys, the Rochester Express means that we know most of these guys already. Right. And I think to be fair, Rocco is really happy to have them all at once. I, I, I guess at times he has, he used to have a card, which would tell him which guys are there and which mm-hmm. ones aren't mm-hmm. because they, and, and mentally like with Thorpe, he'd in some way be punished for a good outing because if he did what he did against Boston nine outs and then again, I think tired or lost the zone or whatever it was, he'd get sent back to Rochester Mm -hmm. and this way. And again, it's not, it's not same thing with Zach Littell. Like at times I'd be like, man, this has to wear. And this is why Terry Ryan wouldn't do this. He wouldn't, you know, filter through the back end of the roster, but the churn and, and and it is stressful for people in Rochester who don't know, which players are there? Also, the only flight out of Rochester like that's seven in the morning or something. Yeah, and they they always want them on there because they don't want them to connect through like Detroit, for example, and something to get, go wrong. Um, and then they or, don't have a player. Or Luke Hughes, you miss your gate. Yeah, something like that. I think. Um, so I mean, there is stress on the player. There is stress on the managers and in, in AAA, whatever. But it is the smart way to use a roster. Having said that, this is the nice thing about this time of year is that Lewis Thorpe isn't punished for having a good harding. Zach Littell isn't punished for being used a lot because he was one of the better relievers. But I mean, yeah, I'm trying to think of anyone who was like super new who who I talked to. No, I mean, Miller's the only real one other than Wade was hurt, so he was up briefly. But you, yeah, you actually covered the game he got hurt, I think. Uh, yeah, I did, and I did. I know, I know he's, I didn't. He's a Ravens fan. He would talk to me. I asked him who they played week one, and he's like, uh, Dolphins, we got this. <laughs> That's my survivor pick. Is that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Dolphins I, are supposed to be really I bad. always get too cute with it, and, and I'm like, Dan, Dan Hayes has a survivor pool. Yeah. So I'm, I just sent off my check today. Check's in the mail, Dan. Uh, yeah, so I, I always get too cute with it, and like five years running, I lost in the first week. Yeah. And then last year, I was like one of the final 10 people, and the winning, the winner of the pot got like $3,000. I would have been like so happy to win that amount of money. But yeah. we, I got to like the it was either the 17th week or the first round of the playoffs with a buyback. So I was like the last 10 or 15, I was starting to spend that money in my head. Yeah. So yeah. let's, let's talk very briefly before we go. Cause I got to leave in a couple minutes here. Cleveland series coming up, by the way, we're cold calling Chris next Tuesday. Yeah. No matter what happens, but I'm, I'm saying two or three, the twins have Adam Plutko, Aaron Savali, Mike Clevenger. So they miss out on Shane Bieber. And they miss out on I'm trying to think of who the other starter is. Yeah, oh, it's it's Plesak. Yeah. So not a bad draw. Clevenger's obviously a dude and he's really good. Also, Clevenger is the like right now there's not a pitcher listed for that Sunday start. Yeah, Sunday they might go bullpen game, they might go who stretched out. I mean 
Smeltzer. It, it would probably come down to matchups because I think I think Cleveland kind of struggles against lefties. I know that's why Matt Trueblood, friend of the show, thought Jake Odorizzi was a good pickup for the Twins because he had reverse splits and that favored them against the Indians because the Indians have some pretty good left-handed hitters. Um, Carlos Santana, Francisco Lindor, etc. So I wonder if it won't be Smeltzer on Sunday. That's the game I'm covering. Just got my credential request today, so we're all good there. But I think two or three, and honestly, it might be the first two, and then you have that kind of Sunday. Although the bullpen's been good. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. I felt like for a long time at the beginning of the season, the Twins would beat up in the first two games, and then the third game would be kind of a letdown. They'd lose like 7-1, and it would just be just kind of a flat effort. And then Brian Dozier and the Nationals come into town. They're red hot. They're probably going to make the postseason, and that would have been crazy to think two months ago, three months ago. It's it's going to be a fun homestand. I got Tuesday and Wednesday. They're off Monday. I don't know. I'm, I'm just kind of interested to see how this homestand goes. It's a quick six-gamer. And I don't know. I think, I think if they win even just three and three, and maybe if two of those wins are against Cleveland, you can start buying postseason tickets and booking hotels and that kind of fun stuff. I don't know where you'd book, I guess, Houston or, or New York City. But yeah, it's... They're coming around the coming around the band. I think we're getting close here to the point where fans can feel pretty confident well, that that angst index will be single digits for a lot of people. I think the magic number yeah, sixteen. Then, then playoff angst starts up. I think Bailey brought up the uh, what do we have the bandwagon guide or something like that. Yeah. We might need to do that. Might maybe we, maybe we can develop that for Reddit. Tuesday. Yeah. Oh, and we we're gonna cold call Chris. So keep yeah. that in mind. Yeah, you have his number. That's. Pretty much all I have for today, and so thank you to Bales over there for producing, Tom for making his flight this morning. What time did you fly out? Uh, so it was eight twenty that that time, so seven twenty this morning. That's not horrible. My flight not to horrible. I was up late though, because it was a night game. It was yeah. not a getaway game. Yeah, Dan didn't take you out. Uh, Dan tried to. did go out. Did not. I avoided Dan. Yeah. <laughs> well, my flight to KC I think is seven, and then six twenty coming back. So I mean, yeah, that's rough. It's going to be pretty ugly, and that's a. I think it's a night. Well, maybe it's not a night game the night, night after, but yeah. Anyway, there'll be hopefully the twins celebrate before then, so I don't have to get champagne all over me in Kansas City. I'm not prepared for that. Not ready but anyway, to again, thanks to Bales over there. Thank you, Tom, for coming back. Much better show today. Much better effort from you. Yeah. And this is Brandon Warren saying thank you for listening. We'll check you out next week. The Twins will have three games played against Cleveland in the weekend. We'll have a lot more to talk about. So check us out for an all-new edition on Tuesday for Midwest Swing, part of the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. Rock over London. Rock on, Chicago. Chicago.